1: 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Wednesday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on X, again, that's X, at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And we're going to get into quite a few things tonight, including, I, I don't know if it's just the holiday thing, I, and I could be wrong. I don't I mean I, I tend to think or at least I believe or thought things would calm down or slow down during the month of December because things usually heat up in September or excuse me in the summer July August June May because the warmer it is the more people go outside and the more times they do things and a lot of it's bad but there's just looking at the headlines today every headline is awful it's just awful but we'll we'll get into that later on but what I want to start off with tonight is Pat Cotham. Pat Cotham is Mecklenburg County Commissioner. She's an at large candidate. And for whatever reason, the hardcore left, you know, try to disparage her. Not, not the left, the hardcore left. The hardcore left try to disparage her and have written members from the school board or a member, I should say, has written Jennifer De La Hora, went after Pat Cawtham and Trisha Cawtham and some no-name website that nobody reads, I don't know, 500 people, I don't know, 1,000, maybe, I don't know, Um, to write an op-ed about Pat Cawtham and everything else. Meanwhile, by the way, just for the record, when Jennifer De DeLaHara ran for county commissioner, she came in fifth a very, 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 very distant fifth after raising the most money. Do you know how embarrassing that is? I mean, it's humiliating is what it is. To raise the most money by far and not even close and then come in pretty much DFL. But anyways, I digress. Let's get back to Pat Cotham. So Trisha Cotham, her daughter... Filed for the House seat, North Carolina House of Representatives, last week. Pat was conspicuously absent. And they have until Friday to file for all races in North Carolina. So I reached out to Pat Cotham on Monday. And I said is there anything I should know as to why you haven't filed yet, even though your daughter has? I said, are you not running? Is there something that I need to know about? Because if you're not running, this is big news. Like, you've been the top vote-getter for all the at-large candidates for the last few elections, several elections. Like, this is a big news. If you're not going to run, like, this is big. And she said, no, she actually she – actually, gave me a pretty funny quote in a text message. And I don't think I'm talking out of school. And she said, Brett, she goes, I'm going to file. I'm just old and slow. I went, okay, that's funny. Well, Pat Cotham filed today. So once again, she's running for an at-large seat with the county commission. She has been the top vote getter. And usually, it has always gone... The top vote getter of the at-large seat has always gotten to be the chair of the county commissioners. Just like the usually top vote getter of an at-large candidate gets to be the chair, or excuse me, the mayor pro tem of the show city council. But George Dunlap has been the chair for the last several years. Not Pat. And George isn't even an at-large candidate. He's part of a, you know a district. And the main reason is, is because Pat is not left enough, which is why she gets the most votes every time. Every time she runs, she gets the most votes. Why? Because people deem her to be the most practical. She's never voted party. Well, Pat Cotham's not really a Democrat. No, actually she is. She's a lifelong Democrat from St. Louis, Missouri. A lifelong Democrat. Just like Bill Maher is a lifelong Democrat. And he goes after the woke on his show every single week. And then they start going, well, he's not really a Democrat. No, he is. You people are just all like way far left and crazy left, like asinine left, that you make him look conservative, even though he's not. He's left. He's a Democrat, period. Same thing with Pat Cotham. Now she has she is because she's in charge of a lot of money with the county. What, billion dollars, 2 billion dollars? Something like that? Annually. She is fiscally conservative, meaning she will spend the money even on liberal programs, if you want us to call them liberal programs. But only if it's spent properly. She doesn't write blank checks to CMS. That's not her mindset. She doesn't say, oh, the way to solve a problem is throw more money at it, not get rid of the people that are causing the problem. That's never been her mindset. I'll just throw more money, more money, more money. She's always wanted accountability. But at the same point, she's always wanted social programs. And every year on election night, and it's no different, it just so happens that election night always falls on a Tuesday. Well, on Tuesdays, Pat Cawtham is always at a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen feeding the homeless. I mean, that's, that's where she's at. So it's not just an election night thing trying to get, oh, look at me, I'm you know doing this. That's what she does all the time. Summer, winter, fall. That's what she does. Pat's also the type of person, and I know this for a fact, and I know because Trisha and I have talked about this, and it drives Trisha absolutely nuts. Well, I, I take that back. It makes Trisha concerned for her well-being. Pat, if someone does not have a ride who is getting released from jail, Pat will go pick them up. Pat has driven to Fayetteville. To pick up a person she didn't know, but knows the family, male, female, doesn't matter, and pick them up from jail when they're getting released and drive them back to Charlotte. Now, all the woke Democrats that are on the county commissioners, the Susan Rodriguez McDowell's of the world, and all of them, what have they done? What, 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 are they at the are they helping the homeless? Are they picking people up from jail? The only thing Susan Rodriguez McDonald's doing is bitching about how Trisha Cotham got Mint Hill more money, even though Mint Hill's in her district. So that's why Pat Cotham every single year gets the most votes. Republicans respect her. Democrats respect her. The far right may not. And the far left may not. But the 80% in the middle, 75% in the middle, they do. They do respect her. So I wasn't sure if she was going to actually run. I was, I was actually wondering because she took a lot of heat from the crazy far left because of her daughter switching parties. She had nothing to do with her daughter switching parties, but this is the left. This is the woke. This is the far left. These are the liberals who went after the mom. Because of what the daughter did. That's all you need to know. I mean, it's just a fact. It's not, it's not being bipartisan. It's not being partisan. It's a fact. It's just a fact. It's exactly what happened. So much so that a woman started screaming and yelling and accosting Pat Cotham while her grandchild was in the car. Her grandchild started filming everything on his phone, as everyone does. But that's what he did. He filmed the incident, and it should pat up. Because they thought it was Trisha because on the side of her car was Pat Cotham County Commissioner. Or Pat Cotham Commissioner, whatever. And they mistook that for Trisha Cotham, this, this woman. He was probably unhinged. Because if you're willing to do that with a child in the car... God knows what you're willing to do privately. And that shook Pat up a little bit. And rightly so. An elderly woman by herself with her not even teenager or barely, like maybe 12 years old, 13, 12 years old grandchild in the car. And this crazy woman is going after them because they think it's Trisha, Because all they see is Pat Cotham. On the side of the car? So I was wondering if something like that, and because of all the emails that she's been getting from the crazy far left, remember, the party of peace and love, I was wondering if she was going to call it quits. She didn't. Good for her. And there aren't a lot of Republicans to vote for, and there aren't any independents to vote for when it comes to county commissioners. But Pat Cawtham resonates on both sides. Fiscally conservative. I will help all the social programs that I can. But I'm going to make sure every dollar is accounted for and we not, we're not going to overspend. Like it was Pat. CMS initially wanted a $4 billion bond. I want, I want you to hear this. $4 billion. Pat raised holy hell about it and it got dropped down to the obscene 2.5 billion. She actually wanted it to be at a billion or 1.5. She actually wanted it to be lower. Yes, schools need help, but what in God's name are you going to do with 2.5 billion dollars? But you have to understand the county that we live in. It's all you need to know. It's not blue. It's a deep sea blue. And when things like that happen, to have someone who's middle left trying to be the voice of reason and they're calling her conservative. I mean, that's just stupid. But it also goes to show you how unintelligent so many of these people are that are no longer in office as of a week or so ago. Well, actually, maybe as of last night, now that I think about it. But anyways, so Pat Coffin did file today. And, like, I've told you guys, I, I've honestly always believed that if you're going to cover politics, you should always tell people how you voted after the election, not before the election, in terms of if you're a reporter, you should do that. And reporters like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't. I've mentioned that to a couple of well-known reporters in Charlotte, and they kind of freak out. I'm like, why? People should know if you have any biases when presenting the news. If you're covering sports, it's easy to look up that Tommy went to the University of North Carolina. That's easy. You can look that up all day, even though he's covering Duke University or NC State or whatever. So it should be no different when it comes to politics. I've told you I voted for Vaughns. And yes, I voted for Pat Cotham. So I told, I told you, and I voted for four Democrat presidents, and I have voted for four Republican presidents. I've never voted party, ever. Never will. I am listed as an independent and have been since I was 20 years old. Now there are a lot of media places in Charlotte. The shoulder observer, <coughs> shoulder observer that make the reporters or tell the reporters or strongly encourage the reporters to follow as independent, even though every single one of them are hardcore left woke just to give the impression that they're not. OK, what these geniuses don't understand is that I can look up, pull up anyone's voting record and see what primaries they voted in. Oh, you've only voted in the last five Democrat primaries. Gee, I wonder why. Oh, OK. But you're listed as independent? Oh, okay. Okay. So anyways, but Pat Cotham filing today to run for county commission, honestly, is the biggest news story of the day in Charlotte. I mean, that's a big deal. So, all right, when we come back, let's get into a few other things. we got some Panthers, we've got these wild and horrific headlines that are nonstop locally. So we'll get into all that stuff when we come back. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right
2: for you.
1: All right, welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen, and we are going up until the ripe time of 8 o'clock tonight, 704-570-1110. And again, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I've got some more news coming out tomorrow afternoon. um, I don't know if it'll be on the show tomorrow night. Actually, I'm pretty positive it won't be because I got tomorrow night... Um, already planned for the show tomorrow night. And it's an interesting show. It'll be interesting. And I think you'll... I I think you'll find it intriguing as well. Um, But... uh, You you, you definitely need to follow me on X slash Twitter. Brett underscore Jensen. Because I do have some stuff coming out tomorrow. Okay. So... Don't have a lot of time. Because I got on the Pat Cotham rant. And the diatribe. And so... I've only got about a minute or so, and so I, I just want to go ahead and apologize that I only have about a minute or so, but we are going to take your phone calls whenever we come back, and we are going to get in, like, I'm telling you, the headlines are so bad, I even looked at Tommy, the producer, and I said, holy moly, just look at these headlines, so we're going to talk about, just, just the headlines, like, I'm not going to get into the stories, But just the headlines themselves, and it's not like clickbait, it's just brutal, blunt headlines from a local media outlet. And I'm not blaming the outlet, it's just the way it is. I mean, if all these bad things are happening, you got to put them out there. Um, So look, Matt, hang on where you are. we got to go to a break, because like I said, I went like crazy, crazy long. I went eight minutes too long last segment. So when we come back, we're going to come back and talk, take your phone call, and then talk about some of these other crazy things going on in the headlines. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am, said Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. All right, so he's been waiting patiently through the break and everything, and I told him to hang on, and he did. So we now go to Matt. So thanks for holding, and thanks for calling, Matt. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, breaking Brett. Uh, It's been a while since i talked to you. Um, I have a question about, uh, a comment, a question about, you know, that $2.5 billion that CMS just got for whatever reason. But. Before I ask your question, is Maggie still mad at you about Friday night?
1: Oh, uh, I got gotcha. Yeah, it took me a second to figure it out. Yeah, so people who don't know, and like I am the world's worst. You know, you guys know that my dog means the world to me. So I pulled up Friday night for the Hancock bike drive. Had been telling everyone on this on my show, everyone on Bo and Best show. Good morning, BT. Maggie would be with me Friday night. I put the car in park here at the at the station in the parking lot Friday night. And I went, oh, crap. I left I forgot. The house. So I totally <laughs> forgot Mag. So I apologize for that. I, I didn't call to make you feel bad about anything, Brett. <laughs> no, that's right. No, I felt horrible. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I actually had quite a few people ask me, where's Maggie? Where's Maggie? And I was like, uh, yeah, she's probably in her bed laying down. She's a dog. She'll forgive you. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Listen,
0: that, that what was that? Two point three or $2.5 billion?
1: $2.5 billion.
0: $2.5 billion. Now, I know you do your homework. That's the difference between me and you. I just read stuff on the news, and, and I kind of regurgitate what I say. You, you go and look into it yourself. But I, I heard that the Detroit school system, the public school system in Detroit, was one of the most expensive per-student school systems in the nation, and it was one of the most failing systems in the nation. Is that true?
1: Um, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me because Detroit is one of the most failing cities in the nation. And, and I mean that yeah. from an economic standpoint. I mean from a mass exodus standpoint of companies and businesses and residents. So I do know that, that Detroit is one of the biggest failures right now in the entire country. Um, so yeah. I, that, that, I honestly, I, I, I don't know about what you've said, but I know as a whole, Detroit is the biggest failure in the country.
0: And we've got, we've got I, I've heard on WBT itself that, like, there's a 70% um, failure of
1: passing basic reading and writing tests in the CMS. So, I did, so last year, um, it was something, or a year and a half ago, a year ago, that it was something like only 13% of black boys could read at a third grade level. Wow and, and but so if if that is true that these big cities
0: you know have one of the highest per capita spendings, how does throwing money at the problem like they' they're I guess they're claiming they want this money to build new buildings, but I don't know that that fixes the problem I mean what what are they going
1: to do with the money? well, so it, so some of it is a lot of it is for schools, and I will tell you a, a good they've got to build a new high school. They've got to build a new middle school. Both of those will go in the Ballantine area. They actually need a couple of high schools other places, but they're not going to build them yet. So what they're doing is they're refurbishing a lot of the schools that are, you know, from 1950 and 1960 and 1970. So they're refurbishing a lot of the schools, but they're building a brand new high school and they're building a brand new middle school down in the Ballantine area to try and ease the pressure off of Audrey Kell. Audrey Kell was built, and was supposed to have like 2,500 students max. It's got 3,700. Okay, so they do need this. Yeah, well, yes. Well, the argument is, yes, they need funding. That's that's not a doubt. Yes, absolutely. Just if nothing billion else billion for schools, dollars. whether or not you need $2.5 billion, that's a whole other story.
0: Right. Well, anyway, that was my question to you, and um, I just want to say I think uh, you did a wonderful job. Thanks for what you did on Friday night at Hancock's Bike for Kids, man.
1: Hey, I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, it's, um, that is a lot of the problems, and I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir on this, but that is a lot of the problems when you start talking about, hey, let's just throw more money, more money, more money. And, you know, I mean, for the longest time, I mean, you know, and I don't mean today's Democrat, but... The fifty, you know, actually, it started back with FDR, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And it was throw a lot of money at problems. And it all started with FDR. It was FDR that started the welfare program during World War II and the Great Depression. Well, actually, pre World War II, during the Great Depression. And it was only supposed to be for a short time. And here we are what, uh, 80 years or 90 years later, and it's still in existence. But it was supposed to be a short-term solution. And there were a lot of other programs. You know, it was the Fair Works program that started. It was government funding and building projects for infrastructure. Um, so there's a lot of things that were you – know, but, that's, but that's always been the mantra. Like, you know, throw mo- money at it and spend money. You know, you know Republicans were always about cutting taxes – and being fiscally conservative, and Democrats were always like, oh, we're going to help the, help the poor, we're going to help the welfare, we're going to help the children, we're going to do this, but we're also going to have to raise your taxes to do all this stuff, and we're just going to fund a lot of programs. Whether it's reasonable to fund this program or not, that's what we're going to do. Whether it makes sense to do this or not, that's what we're going to do, because at the very least, it makes them look like that they're actually doing something. If you're throwing money at something, it makes it look like you're doing something, even if you're just throwing good money after you know after good, you know throwing good money and it turns out to be bad. So in terms of Detroit, I, I don't know that I don't have that said about the schools and all that other stuff, but Detroit is a failing town, and that's why for the longest time, the state of Michigan and the city of Detroit kids who are graduating and i say the term you know, from my age perspective but people that were graduating college if they moved to detroit they would get anywhere i think i think it was like 10,000 15,000 per person if they stayed there for i think four years Three years, four years, they stayed and lived in Detroit because they were trying to revitalize Detroit and they were paying college graduates to actually move to Detroit. And I don't mean 20 years ago, I mean recently, within the last 10 years, because they were trying to revitalize it. And I got to actually have a, a story about Detroit. So I'm no longer at the Shard Observer, and this would have been 1996. And the Detroit News flies me up for a job interview. And they're interviewing me, the newspaper up there, they're interviewing me for their cops reporter. Now, you have to understand, I was a sports guy. So I'm there for two days, and in two days I met with 16 editors, eight editors each day. I had 16 one-hour interviews over the course of two days. For this job. But the day that I arrived was October 30th. And it was even just a tiny drizzle of snow, flurry of snow. But if you know anything about Detroit, especially pre 15 years ago, All Hallows Eve and all the burning of the houses and all kinds of horrible things would always happen on Halloween or Halloween Eve in Detroit. Well, so I get there and they put me up at the Pontchartrain Hotel, which is a really, really, really nice hotel. Really nice hotel. Like high-end hotel. That's where they put me up. So I'm in the hotel watching the news and it's my first night in Detroit because I flew in that morning. They took me from the airport straight to uh, to to the newspaper for interviews, like suitcase and all. So but later that night, my first night in Detroit, or my only night in Detroit, I'm watching the news and I see local priest has hand blown off because of a mailbox bomb. And it was meant for a neighbor, but they put the bomb in the wrong box Because the neighbor of the priest was, there was a big, huge strike. The UAW, the United Auto Workers, were having to be in a strike at that time. So every person involved with UAW, newspaper delivery people, anyone in part of a union up in Detroit, didn't matter if you were part of the UAW or not, went on strike in support of the UAW. And somebody with the UAW put a bomb inside, a pipe bomb inside a mailbox that was meant for the priest's neighbor and it blew off the priest's hand. So the next morning I get up, they pick me up at the the hotel and we drive, I don't know, like the ten blocks, eight blocks to the newspaper to the Detroit News. And all these newspaper reporters are outside picketing because they're part of a union. And they said, look, the person picking me up said, look, you need to understand there's going to be a lot of people yelling at you, calling you scabs and everything else. You need to understand what you're in for. And I'm like, and this was right when the NFL was on strike and all those players were playing in the NFL and they were calling them scabs and that whole thing. I was like, all right, this is not going to be good. And they said, do yourself a favor. Put your jacket up over your head and over your face. Now, this is someone interviewing me for the job telling me this, picking me up at the hotel. I said, well, why? They said, well, you're probably going to get spit on and they're probably going to throw things at you like food or something like that. So I put the thing over my head. I was, what, 26, looking like I was 16, put my jacket over my head and tried to duck in And thankfully, no one spit on me and no one threw food at me. Now, when I did leave at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, people yelled at me because I was crossing the picket line to get interviewed for a job because in the South, there's no union jobs for journalists. But there there are in Detroit. There are up north. And so that's my big Detroit story. Although I did uh, that that night, the second night, um, I missed my flight. And so... I had to spend an extra night in Detroit near the airport, which is out in the middle of nowhere, by the way. Holy cow. Like, it is near nothing. But, yeah, that's my, that's my Detroit story. And I didn't get the job. At the time, I was bummed about it. But looking back, all I can say is, thank God, it's Detroit. At the end of the day, it's Detroit. It's like getting turned down for a job from Cleveland or Memphis couple other rat hole towns like actually one of good that i got turned down thank thankfully all right when we come back let's get into these wild headlines i'm telling you these headlines i'm just going to read the headlines i'm not going to read the stories i'm just going to read the headlines they're shocking and they're and they're they're also depressing i know exactly what you want to hear on a wednesday night right depressing and shocking headlines i'm brett jensen and you're listening to breaking with brett jensen So I just saw a headline on CNN that they're promoting and celebrating and jumping for joy about and it damn near maybe just throw up on the mic. So Oprah Winfrey just got her portrait, a giant portrait, I mean like five foot high, whatever it is, portrait in the uh, National Art Gallery. So she's going to be hanging alongside in the National Art Gallery with the likes of MLK, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, other people like that. So a woman who hosted a talk show is now in the National Art Gallery. The original was Phil Donahue. Where's Phil Donahue's portrait in the National Art Gallery? Without Phil Donahue, there'd be no Oprah. It was Phil Donahue, then Sally Jesse Raphael, and then it just all started like um bastardizing throughout and everyone everyone had one of those talk shows and then obviously (laughs) jerry springer and Morty povich and (laughs) steve wilkos and stuff like that but phil Donahue was the he was the og the original gangster where's his portrait but hey cnn is going crazy doing head over heel backflips because oprah is now in the national art gallery I don't know what's more depressing—that that statement that I just had to say, or these headlines. So I went to a local news website, TV station, and I just wanted to say, okay, is there anything that I missed today, just in case? And no, there's nothing that I missed. But I just want you to he- hear some of these headlines because I started looking at them and I was like, wait, what? Every headline is awful. Court records. Grandmother broke down locked door, shot grandchild at close range. 17-year-old hit and killed by SUV while walking across the street to get the mail. High school baseball player dies after being accidentally hit in the head by a bat. Eight-year-old in critical condition following delivery gone wrong. Mom says holistic lifestyle led to newborn twins being taken away from her. ATM stolen from Charlotte smoke shop, latest in string of similar threats, thefts. And I'm like, okay, it just goes and goes and goes. High school football player dies before a state championship game. Family of two boys allegedly killed by mother says they were given wrong body ahead of funeral. I'm just like, I'm just, everything is so-and-so dies. So-and-so dies. So-and-so dies. dies, So-and-so dies. Every headline. And I know that way before I was born, way before all of you listening to my voice were born, regardless of your age. Even if you're a centenarian, it doesn't matter. The old standard from the 1800s through now, if it bleeds, it leads. Why? Why? More people care about death and destruction and crime than they do Salvation Army starting their charity drive at grocery stores ringing the bell. Nobody cares. I mean, they do, and they might drop off the money, but as a story, nobody cares. Why don't you do more positive stories? Because you'll never read it. That's why. That's why. They don't go to read charitable stories about whatever. You know, a baseball player with a wooden leg trying to raise money. Like, nobody Nobody reads that. Very few people read that. Baseball player attacked by vicious dog while playing game? Everybody's reading that. And it's just the way it is. That's our nature. Why do you think Jerry Springer and Maury Povich, to bring up their names again, are so popular? Because it's a train wreck. People want to watch all those those, those fake reality shows like The Real Housewives. They're train wrecks. That's why people watch them. That's exactly what, I mean, that's just the way it is. So why don't you do more positive stories because you'll never read it. That's why. You almost have to use clickbait in a headline to get someone to click on a positive story. But if I put in the headline, dog mauls entire family, you're clicking on it and reading it. But if the headline is, Brett Jensen gives away generous presents to work staff, no one's reading that. Nobody cares. And that's just the way we are, and that's just the way it's been for 150 years. It's not this generation. It's every generation. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and your great-great-grandparents' generation. All right, look, speaking of which, I got a massive show tomorrow night, so guys, make sure you tune in tomorrow. It's already prearranged, so hopefully you can join us. Look forward to it tomorrow night. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.